0: the back to tank contains adult language and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue. We would be honored
1: if you would join us. How are you feeling? Your latest workups on your condition indicate that all damage is Recovery is total. I believe you have been quite fortunate. No further thanks are necessary, Commander, but you are most welcome. It is my function and pleasure as a matter of to help and heal you, beings.
0: Can you imagine what it's like to be an ace pilot? This is your chance to make that dream come true. Woo! Alright, welcome back to Star Wars From the Back to Tank The Star Wars Resistance Edition Hello David Hello everyone Alright, it's been a nice little break But it's time It's time to dive right back into things (laughs) Here we go Yeah, so we're going to be talking about Star Wars Resistance Season 1, Episode 12 Bebo, the mid-season premiere I was really excited For the return of Resistance After seeing that That slick mid-season trailer, that's the type of marketing, Dave, that this show has been missing.
1: Agree or disagree? Absolutely. That trailer not only got me psyched for Resistance, but it made me remember some really great scenes from uh, Force Awakens. Yeah. Like, the First Order scene in Force Awakens is one of my favorite moments when he's doing that propaganda-type speech to the First Order, and it gives you the chills. When yeah. You, when you watch it happen, because it's kind of like that is very, very what you just, would expect. It's just powerful. It's evil. It's it, yeah. I agree. And it's one of the it's one of the one of the scenes that basically made me really like the character of General Hux. Yeah. Because I wanted him to be the main villain. Yeah. So there's a there's a lot
0: to look forward to. I I guess it's safe to say, based on that trailer, a lot of things. But yes, marketing, Dave, that's the biggest problem since day one with this TV show. It, yeah. it felt like um, an afterthought. It was like, hey, oh, yeah. And also, Resistance is coming out, guys. And I, I don't think that was the original intent. I, I feel like this show was supposed to be something very different. And then with the uh, the announcement of the Disney streaming service and then The Mandalorian and then, of course, Clone Wars returning this year.
1: There's a lot going resistance
0: on. became the, the red headed stepchild of, of, of Lucasfilm. And it, it just lost everything. It lost its marketing. There isn't a lot of emphasis on character development. Although I, I feel like that's going to change. As we had said, leaving the first season last year, bleeding over into the mid season, we felt like there was going to be a change in direction. And this trailer I I think was a good example of that. Showing everyone, hey, this is what's happening. We are, in fact, working towards something. Yeah. Um, I mean, the trailer shows uh, the threat level going up. It felt like a preview that hinted at relevance.
1: And that's the takeaway for me. And the thing that I liked about the trailer, too, is it legitimately showed Kaz as a hero. Yes. And that was a big thing. Exactly. You have to... I am hoping that for the rest of the season, for the for the rest of the series in season one, you have to make Kaz relevant. You got to make him feel like he's a hero. Yeah. And that's what the
0: trailer, again, felt like it was doing. It wasn't just it was dual serving. Not not only was it showing us, of course, things to come in a very in a proper marketing type fashion, but also it did put Kaz front and center in that pilot seat, so to speak, uh, to show people, hey, we have a plan for this character, and again, that's the takeaway for me as well. Is that if you have a title like Star Wars, right, Dave, on your on your TV show, and it's canon, first thing I ask, what will this canon-compliant series add to the overall world of Star Wars? Yeah, that's the question we have been posing almost every episode discussion we do on resistance and based on that trailer, Dave, it looks like resistance plans to not only butt up against the force awakens, as you had mentioned uh, being the first series to have a direct tie in into the sequel trilogy, but also a series that might go past the events of the force awakens as well as the last Jedi, because of course it follows up. So it would include TLJ as TLJ as well in that. The whole General Huck scene is what sold the trailer to me as well. The the moment he popped in was kind of an oh shit moment, Dave. We're like, oh, wow. They're going to take Resistance right into the heart of Force Awakens. And this is a big surprise to, I know, not just me, it has to be a big surprise to you and countless other audience members out there that are on the Resistance train because we were told... The series was taking place, what, six months before The Force Awakens? Yes. And you and I had gone back and forth, Dave, for the last six or seven months asking ourselves, how are they going to do an entire series six months before Force Awakens? Well, now we know. They have just time jumped, and they're going to be bleeding right into the heart of The Force Awakens. Dave, is this a good idea, in your opinion?
1: At this point for this series, yes. Yes. It is important for this series because we. I think we're all in agreement as fans that the first part of Resistance was rather weak. It it, it didn't do anything to, just like I was, uh, as we alluded to, it didn't do anything to advance the mythos any. So having that time jump, it helps the writing. It helps the audience kind of ease back in and say, okay, we're going to take this further out. We're going to add stuff to this. We're going to give you a new perspective. And that's what I liked about the trailer was the fact that we're going to get a new perspective on that scene, on the events that happened in The Force Awakens. Because Force Awakens, the perspective is all through Ray and Finn. That's it. That's the audience's eyes and ears. Now we get a chance to actually see the events of Force Awakens through Kaz's eyes. And, it, and and when I thought about it, it's really important because, remember, one of the most important scenes in Force Awakens was the destruction of those three planets.
0: Yeah. when And it really wasn't, honestly, for being such a big moment in Force Awakens, it really didn't leave anything for us to, it, we weren't really shocked? Yeah, I I guess because we really didn't know the political landscape. We're like, oh, okay, so you just blew up three planets. We don't know what they are and what they do. We know nothing about the New Republic. You've skipped 30-some years into the future after Return of the Jedi. We don't know the political landscape. We don't know who's who. Why do we even care that you just destroyed these guys? For all we know, they're the bad guys and you're the good guys. So, introducing Resistance's or Kaz's perspective into this scenario I feel is going to be a win for the show if it's handled correctly to if it's see correctly yeah imagine seeing it through the eyes of Kaz Yeah. thereby us now understanding the politics of Star Wars at this point I feel like it's going to have a greater impact
1: yeah and, the, and when I was watching the trailer I actually cared for Kaz at that point because knowing what happens in Force Awakens and knowing that basically during that speech General Hux makes the, uh, uh, makes the statement this is the rise of the First Order mm-hmm. Starkiller based blasts off, and basically destroys three planets. Now, what we know from Resistance, the first part, is the fact that Kaz's family, from all we understand, is his father might be on one of those planets. I hope he is. And w- for me, that left a big impact on me seeing Kaz in the trailer, and then you hear the, you hear the, the, the speech, and then it dawned on me that, wait a minute, Starkiller Base shoots off the death, uh, death blast, Right and destroys those three planets. We know that Kaz has a problem with his dad, and his dad's a politician.
0: Right. Well, that's something we talked about. I think uh, on our last episode discussion before leaving to winter break, we specifically mentioned that a good way to take Kaz's story is just to make it more personal, more yeah. more intimate, because that's what was missing. Uh, there's so much potential with this series, but one of those, the one of the big. The biggest issue with despite forget the silliness, the goofiness, forget all that. That's not the problem. Yeah. We are using those things because there's surface elements that we can pinpoint and say, oh, I hate that. I hate that. But if the story was more intimate and it meant something for our lead, all of those little things would 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 become background noise. Yeah. And, and, And 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 either a having Kaz's father be a part of the First Order. Secretly. Or B, having him get killed off during the destruction of the New Republic would be two great ways to bring Kaz's story to the forefront and no longer just simply background noise.
1: Yeah, and I know, I understand that people sometimes, maybe there are a lot of people out there are a little jaded saying that, oh, they're just going to use his his the death of his father to push Kaz forward. And, but, it works. Yeah, exactly, works. Dave. It, I mean, what's wrong with actually going with that trope? Because it is a tried and true trope. It just depends on the execution, right? The execution is the key. If they fall flat and basically it, it, they they still make Kaz feel really goofy during this really dark time in the first uh, in in Force Awakens, then that's a bad mishandling of the trope. But. If they actually do something, if it matters, if it matters and it makes you feel like I'm not kidding, dude. When I watched that trailer, it gave me the feels thinking about Kaz watching this happen and then the realization if Kaz came to the realization, my father's on that planet and the planet blows up. Yeah. It's very similar to like, or my father
0: is responsible For the destruction of those planets. Can
1: you imagine that?
0: Either would work for me. Either.
1: It's a callback to like the feeling of Princess Leia watching Alderaan blow up. I agree. And it creates that instant connection
0: with the audience. the audience. It could also create a a wonderful connection between Kaz and Princess Leia. I don't see how they can work on that relationship completely. Especially if they're butting up against the Force Awakens. Because we already know where Leia's at. We already know... Uh, for the most part, actually, we don't know what Leia. No, we
1: don't know. We don't know what she's done. doing until second about halfway through the movie, right? Not even then, because remember, she just shows up at I forgot the name of the base where the Maz's meet, castle. Maz's castle. Yeah, they 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 show up there, and Leia. We don't know what she's been up to. You're right. She just basically shows up off the ship, and they they have that brief interlude between her and Han. That's it. There's no. No one coming up to her talking about the discussions of the battle plans. This is what's going on. None of that. Yeah, and that's why I feel like this could be a really important moment for resistance yeah. to give us that give us that other perspective because they can do a lot. And there's a lot they could do. And if they do, I mean, okay,
0: you have Princess Leia's character introduced. You sir. Yeah, you sir. Have her. Yes, we know Poe Dameron is is. uh, is Kaz's teacher of sorts, his tutor. But if they create that connection between Kaz and Princess Leia, I feel like it would win a lot of us over. As long as it's justified. We don't want to make, we don't want it to feel transparent. Like, Oh, the writers are trying to create this relationship or this bond between Kaz and Princess Leia. Oh, because we hate them. No, make it feel right. Make it feel natural, like a natural progression, a part of the story and I feel like they have a win on their hands. There's a lot of potential now, a lot, even more so than I feel like leading into the show, Dave, you and I didn't really know what to expect. Yes. Now we kind of know what to expect. And with that midseason trailer, the possibilities are are endless with this series and what they can do now, especially if they have the balls or at least the go ahead, the green light from Lucasfilm and Disney to say, hey, go ahead and move past Force Awakens and Last Jedi. Yeah. Why not? This is why Disney is, this is why we were even happy about Disney buying Lucasfilm. If you remember, Dave, why were we happy? Because we knew it would mean, what, more Star Wars. More Star Wars. So let's not just have more Star Wars and stutter step because we're afraid to step on the toes of the next director or writer for this TV series or, or movie. Let's start stepping on toes. As long as we know the
1: direction of our
0: stories, let's not hold back.
1: And I think Let's that, move forward. that's the important part is to move forward. And the way they've been doing it, if you look at like what Star Wars has done for the past couple of like short years that they've been uh, Disney has taken control, one of the biggest things they've been trying to do is tell stories from... Uh, I always remember them saying, we're trying to tell a story from a different perspective. Different yeah. perspective. They tried to do it in Rogue One, and yeah, it worked in Rogue One, because you told the, the story of the Death Star from a different perspective from the... From, the spy spice perspective of like the importance of the death star they did in rebels. They tell, to, they told, they told a similar story, the new hope from the ghost cruise perspective. You didn't see it. You didn't see anything about Luke didn't see anything about Obi-Wan Kenobi. They didn't tie into the story of the rebels. Now you yeah. have now you have this chance to actually tell a story from a new perspective of the resistance, which is something that all of us have been saying is kind of like we need more substance to the resi- the history of the resistance because it's still a mystery as to why the resistance is even around. Yeah, we they have formed the resistance as a precautionary thing against the first order, but why? What gave her the inclination of actually saying? Well, you know, I I know of this speaking of the first order, and it's always been very vague. This is a chance for us to actually get more substance to the dy- dynamic of the resistance of the first order. All right, Dave, we need to jump
0: in to the actual breakdown of this episode because we have spent the last what fifteen minutes on sheer excitement for the mid season trailer. Yeah, but now we got to get down to business. So we're going to be talking and breaking down. The season one mid-season premiere, Bebo, episode 12, directed by Bosco M, which, by the way, Dave, according to various sources, that's actually how you pronounce Bosco's last name. Yes. Bosco M. Mm. That doesn't make sense to me, but hey, you know what? I'm a simpleton. (laughs) (laughs) The episode was written by Paul Giacopo. Uh, Synapsis. Niku adopts a strange sea creature that smells apparently like shit <laughs> and gets way more than he bargained for when it brings chaos to the
1: platform. Because only Niku can do this.
0: <laughs> yeah. Overall, this episode was a little irrelevant to the bigger Star Wars story, but it wasn't a wasted episode. Yes. Uh, they did cover quite a bit of ground this week in various different ways. For one, Taz. Was not fucking useless. Holy shit. Yes. Holy shit. Kaz actually did something. And it didn't wait to be ordered. He just did it. He just went and did it. He sounded an alarm. He flew with the aces. Didn't do much. But tell them to hold their fire. But hey it's progress. It's progress. (laughs) Setting jokes aside. Just for a moment Dave. This needed to happen
1: though. Yeah. Taking. one of the biggest things, too, about that is the fact that Kaz actually helped the Aces. I mean, I was actually pretty impressed that they showed Kaz save one of the Aces. Yeah. Which is actually pretty,
0: that's pretty different. Well, we heard that he was a great pilot, but we've never actually seen it. So to see him doing things in the cockpit, this is, that needs to be his world. He can be a buffoon, yeah. I guess, out in the real world. He can not be that great at fixing things. Uh, but once he's in the cockpit of a ship, he needs to be a completely different person. He needs to be in control. And that's exactly what we saw. We saw a Kaz who was in control. Yes. And that's why I was so I don't want to say excited, but I was happy with this episode. Yeah. Um, take into account that the midseason trailer again, we we know that the resistance writers have some really big plans in the works. First thing they've got to do is course correct Kaz just a bit. And I feel like this was the first step in that direction. That's something you and I spoke about before we left to winter from to winter break day. What did we say? We said that resistance has some work to do coming back.
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: That it has a lot of work to do. And I feel like the finesse of his characterization is, should be foremost on their thoughts at this point. And in this episode, for me, it felt like this is exactly what we were getting. We were getting a little bit of finesse on his characterizations. They were helping him uh, look more like a believable hero that we can all root for. And I like what they did with him this week. The show was still lighthearted. Which I don't have a problem with. I don't want people ever misconstruing my words. I don't have a problem with with levity, but we need to have levity with purpose, levity with with, uh, with direction. And even though this episode was a, was still lighthearted, it was slightly muted when it comes to Kaz. Kaz was muted. The levity of the show was the same; it was consistent, but Kaz was muted. He felt different. They left the stupidity to Nico this week and it works when they use Nico for this because he is a sidekick character which we'll get into that momentarily what him being a sidekick character actually means Uh, but first live read time Dave Patreon.com slash Rayman Digital pledge $5 or more a month and gain access to more Star Wars from the Back to Tank discussions, uh, comic book reviews, books, Additional discussions that we can't get to in our regular shows, all when you pledge $5 or more a month. So head over to patreoncom rainman digital and play Also, Pozu is currently offering 20 pie? Fi- 20 pie? 20 pie. <laughs> Do you want uh, sandwiches? 20 pie. <laughs> Pozu is now thinking sandwiches, <laughs> just like the aliens on the platform. Uh, Pozu is currently offering 25% on all Ray boots. Prepare to step into the Star Wars Pozu footwear collaboration wearing boots and sneakers and pie inspired. Pie's on my mind today, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> inspired by some of the film's lead characters, including BB 8's high top sneakers and the iconic Rey high boot, which is inspired, of course, by Rey's iconic knee boot as featured in Star Wars The Last Jedi, and of course, our vegan chewy Wookiee boot. I don't know what vegan means when it comes to, like, I guess you can eat it if you're vegetarian. You can eat the shoe. Is that what it means? Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Our Star Wars collection is expertly handcrafted in Portugal in the line uh, with our stringent ethical and sustainable standards using natural materials. And they're delighted to offer Star Wars footwear for both men, women, and children. They also offer, of course, the Stormtrooper boots and Stormtrooper shoes that can be incorporated into your everyday fashion or simply compliment your cosplay outfit. Order now and get free global delivery when you spend over $75. I will post the links on the show page and within the show notes of where you can get this discount so you don't have to go searching or scouring the internet for it. Go through us. That way it helps you out. And of course it helps us out. Right, Dave?
1: Absolutely.
0: RainmanDigitalMedia.com. Look for those Pozu links. All right, Let's talk a little bit about Niku. Niku's excellent. he's the one character that should bring levity to the series, and it works, yes, although very silly at times, his and of course this week, his story worked to progress the story, and that's all we ever ask for, right Dave silliness um as long as it moves our characters and story forward and that's exactly what Niku did. Yeah. The events that transpired in this week's episode all work together in tandem to move the story forward. And maybe not Niku's story, but think about it. Even if the actual overt narrative or myth arc was only slightly touched on this week, Niku's story helped push our lead Kaz where? Into a position of control and power. By yes. way of Niku's own story it allowed us, allowed the writers, I should say, to highlight Kaz as our hero. And honestly, the first time I would ever consider him in a hero position in this show. Competent. A competent. competent a hero. competent hero. Exactly right. And it was all made way by by way, I should say, of Nico's levity. His yeah. the silly side of the story paved the way for something
1: serious. Well, actually, the the best part by far about the first part of the part of the season mm-hmm. i enjoyed the how they established niku as a comedy relief he is kind of like that positive energy he's the jar jar he's not, the c3po the c3po i would say the c3po the droid the bb8, the BB-8 a little 8. bit yeah he he brings that positive energy why because during the first part of the season he was well established yeah. we understood we this did. is who he is And they didn't make it, like, over-the-top, stereotypical, you know, stereotypical, I'm trying to think of the word, but basically they didn't make it, like, in-your-face stereotype. No. They subtly brought this character along and showed, hey, this is how he thinks. This is, it's because of his alien nature. He doesn't understand being around people uh, that are different from his kind. There you go. Yeah. It's very, they did it very well the first part of the season actually establishing him. And that's why, just like you said, his levity is actually what makes this episode really come together.
0: Yeah. he he, Niku's a, what's the best way of saying this? He's a good representation of how a psychic character should be handled. And obviously a character that like Niku, let me backtrack just a moment here. Niku falls into the sidekick character archetype, and he is an example of the writers understanding this literary archetype to a T. And this week that was made very, very apparent. The role of the sidekick is not always the obvious support. You know, it's not always the Robin or the. Yeah. What's another superhero or sidekick? I can't think of like now. The Bucky. Yes, he's not, not, there's not always, it's not always about the sidekick who's right next to you, who's next to you, beside you, ready to kick some ass there and to support you and to help you and to save your life. And and
1: look up to you. Right. And everything. There's
0: different types of sidekick characters and Niku is that other side. From a writing standpoint, if it's handled by a capable writer, they can use, they can be used sidekick characters they can be used to su- to support our main hero story not just the obvious use of support in terms of action yes in terms of hey I'm here I- I'm by your side I I'm looking up to you and I'm gonna learn a lot from you there's there's Niku to me is a better version of that sidekick character he's someone who's not just a sidekick to say Kaz he's a sidekick the narrative version of Kaz he's there to support the show like any character any character if you if you have a character in a show, there should never be some dude just meandering through the story with no real purpose yeah, but niku is is more than just that he He fills in the levity checkbox, he fills in the side kick checkbox. And he he fills in the uh, checkbox for relevance in terms of character d- development. And, and I, honestly, I'm hoping they do more with him. I know Kaz first is the guy that we need to focus on, and I will stand by that decision until the cows come home, until the banthas come home, Dave. But I wouldn't mind getting more Niku.
1: Yeah. Well, the, the thing the thing about this, and I actually thought about this after I watched this episode twice. The way they portrayed Niku was how they should always portray all the side characters around Kaz. One of the biggest. They shouldn't take
0: the focus from him.
1: One of the biggest uh, takeaways we had in the first beginning of the season, remember, was like we kept saying, man, all these side characters are just overshadowing Kaz and making Kaz look like an idiot. Like we wanted to actually see more of uh, Jaeger. And all the other pilots, and because they're so interesting, but they took away from Kaz. this is the actual one episode I actually when I watched it a second time, I said, "This is a example of how they took a side character, made that side character interesting, but they helped that that side character still made Kaz the center point, yeah, right, and Niku's
0: just one example of many good choices in this week's episode because every character had their point not there was not one character running around aimlessly the only person that i would say is a little was a little weak was yeager because he was just standing there yelling yeah i'm like well all right well he's just playing the boss yeah this week that's fine
1: that that was fine but But he's the only
0: one everyone had their their place they all had their place for the for the most part
1: yeah, for that—that that was the whole thing—is like no one really overshadowed anybody. It was actually kind of like a, as weird as it sounds, it was a well-timed and well formation of all the characters. Like, what would you would expect yeah. out of out of like a a a flight team? Honestly, when you take a look at the resistance, you, you have Kaz, who's your center point. He's the lead man. He's everybody else. Everybody else is a wingman. Doesn't make them any worse, any better, but they help the lead pilot guide the show. And this is actually the first episode where I can pinpoint and say, this was well, this was well formed to make the characters all gelled together as one for a change. Instead of oh, this is a Jaeger centric episode, and uh, Kaz is dubbed as an idiot, <laughs> and you and it ruin and it takes away from that. This feels like the cast finally has has come together and gelled to the point where it's it was actually the first time in all the time that I've watched Resistance where I like go, okay, this is a properly assembled ensemble.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I, and I'm hoping we get more of that. I'm, I'm hoping this
0: is just the tip. Of I, I'm hoping the too. iceberg, Dave. Ho- hopefully, this is just the tip. The tip's okay. Sometimes having just the tip, don't you think? Oh yeah, yeah. All right, let's talk about the big moments that lasted a couple seconds. Uh, this, wait, that. Let me rephrase that. Let's talk about the big moments that lasted a couple seconds. <laughs> Sounds like um, a peek into my my <laughs> private life. <laughs> <laughs> No, seriously, though, let's talk about a couple big moments that did, in fact, only last a few seconds, and that's Kel and Ayla. I want to yes, say that's... Ayla. Is that how you say her name? The kids from Tahar that escaped the genocide of their homeworld, the First Order, and Kylo Ren want them tracked down and murdered, and now we know why. Yep. Uh, we had our suspicions, and our suspicions made sense at the at the time with the very little we knew. But I'd say we definitely got verbal confirmation this week that the two kids are Force users. At least one.
1: At least one. At
0: least one of them. But possibly their entire planet might have been a world rich with Force-adept individuals. Otherwise, why would Kylo Ren burn down an entire planet? Is there importance the Jedi? Is it an an ancient Jedi settlement of sorts that he was trying to eradicate? If you remember, bleeding into The Force Awakens, Kylo was on that mission to do what? To finish what Vader had started. started. His resolve seemed to have wavered and changed a bit in The Last Jedi, due to, of course, I think the change in the direction of the show that Ryan Johnson was trying to take the series. But... Remembering the what was stated in force awakens may have some bearing on the events leading up to that moment right that would only make
1: sense it it would it honestly this point in the episode, I was really surprised they went there i didn't expect
0: i didn't expect them to do it that soon dude I thought, that that soon. Gonna, I thought they were going i thought they were going to give us just a tip and tease us for the next six months
1: but I thought it was a very smart way of doing it too, i agree because they they tied it in with her having uh, premonitions premonitions yeah because everyone everyone who's a star wars fan knows that basically a lot of the force abilities premonition seeing into the future that is a huge thing
0: but, i mean but the future is always in motion
1: yes the future is always in motion <laughs> <laughs> but like for me that that was actually a smart way of doing it and just what you like what you said it subtly basically tells you there's this other story that's going on But this right now is going to help us in this episode kind of propel forward. But it's like almost like they're like telling the audience, keep this in your mind because this is still this is an important part, too, because it's Star Wars. Yeah, you have to. I mean, you've said it in the past. You have to have that force element somehow or else it doesn't feel like Star Wars. You have
0: to have the spirituality Of Star Wars in Star Wars. You can do any show you want. You can have a war picture like Rogue One. Yes. You can have the classic Star Wars backdrop. Like what we're getting in the sequel trilogy. You can have a political story like we got in prequels. You can have the Mandalorian taking place on the outer regions of the known galaxy. Yeah. But you cannot rip the foundation that creates the very fabric of the Star Wars universe. Literally. Yeah, literally. The Force will always have to play a part. I'm not saying you have to have Jedi. I'm not saying you have to have a bunch of lightsabers, but the Force and the spirituality of the Force has to always be a mainstay in Star Wars. Otherwise, it is not Star Wars. Yeah. So, them introducing Kel and Ayla into the series a is a solid win and B now that they're actually exploring it a lot faster than I had thought they would is another huge win. So I'm hoping they continue to, to go through this and go in this direction because I, I feel like that's one of the most interesting moments of all of resistance is these children from Tahar and what their importance are or what is their importance and what part do they play in, the unraveling road that leads to the force awakens and the last Jedi.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. And you brought up a really good point. I mean, we, we had a totally different type of story in rogue one, but they still had that subtle force element thrown in there. Not with Jedis and lightsabers, but you know, like with characters like, um, Donnie Yen's character. Yeah. Or guardians of the will. Guardians of the will. Right. Or even, you know, like, uh, um, Ursos uh, mother, Janusos mother, Erso, Jen S. Mother. S. mother, with all the crystals and everything, and talking about the importance of the crystals compared for the Death Star. That is still yes, touching it, on the Force. That's element. a good point. Yeah, you're right. All of it. All of it delves. No matter what we
0: we ever, no matter what can be said about the the specific genre that Star Wars is dabbling in for whatever TV show or movie. One thing that always has to be a part is that. Is that. Yeah. All right, Dave. So let's move into our final thoughts for this week's episode. You can start. Go ahead. Uh,
1: I had medium expectations for this episode. Medium expectations. (laughs) Medium expectations for this episode. And it actually succeeded. This is the one time when I actually looked at this episode. And when they came back after the trailer and everything else, and they, they set us up with this episode to kind of like reintroduce us to all the characters i thought they did a fantastic job one of the biggest takeaways i took away was the fact that they are trying to repair kaz's image at this point yes for sure the whole scene with him getting into the fireball and that's one thing that we didn't even touch on was the fact that for me when i was watching this i started noticing they're really trying to put emphasis on how cool the fireball is and the The fact that Kaz is finally able to get the fireball up and running and get it out there, the fireball looked fantastic, Along, even better than some of the other ships and some of the shots. Yeah. And I really took that uh, – I, I, when I watched that, I'm like, okay, they're making the fireball look fantastic. They'd want to make this ship of Kaz iconic. But at the same time, by doing this – they're actually making Kaz look more heroic. I mean, he didn't save, uh, I forgot the, the, the character's name that does the modified TIE fighter, uh, but Kaz didn't accidentally like bump into him and do his usual arm waving in the air. Oh, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Wow. Doing that. No, Kaz used the fireball to actually save that pilot. <laughs> and I was like going, okay, Kaz is actually doing something very competent and it's because he's in the fireball and for me that was one of the biggest takeaways was actually they're trying to repair or take Kaz forward as a character which is a really that's a positive coming out of this episode so I'm going to say that Bebo is actually one of my favorite episodes I've seen so far for Resistance and it took a while for us to get here yep I agree, man. So I'm hoping that they could take this momentum into the next episodes and just run with it. Don't, uh, if you have to be silly, use characters like Niku. You use characters, even like to some degree, BB 8 and Sonara and the other characters, but use them properly to strengthen Kaz's narrative. That's the whole point. And when, I, when you take this into context with the trailer, Kaz's narrative. The possibilities that you could possibly tell with this character are really exciting. Like, you you have a possibility of making a scene in The Force Awakens yeah. that no one ever thought about. Why is it that important? You are going to make it personal in this episode if Kaz has to watch that, that that scene, like what we did in the movie, and General Hux, and he fires the Starkiller base, blows up the planet, and it dawns on Kaz, my family's on that planet. That makes it so personal, and it just harkens back to like old Star Wars of Leo watching Alderaan blow up, and basically, you know, giving giving the First Order some teeth, some legitimate heat. Yeah, yeah, Dave, I don't disagree
0: with any of that. I feel like my uh, final thoughts are very much on par with yours so I'm not going to add any more other than the fact that I do like the direction I do like the return it feels like there is a method to the madness that there's a plan of action especially with that trailer Um, you don't put out a trailer like that unless a you're scared to death that your (laughs) show is falling apart in terms of ratings although we do know that the show did get picked up for a second season officially yes or b) they put together a trailer like that because they want to reassure people hey the the tone of the show is changing. It's going to still maintain the levity that resistance brings to the table, but there's also going to be a tonal shift as well. And this is what the story is going to be about. And honestly that if it wasn't for that trailer, I probably wouldn't have been that excited to even cover this week's episode, but that trailer did do a lot of good for me in terms of my overall feeling and this trail, then this episode also um, added to that, I feel like there is a direction and a plan. All right, Dave. That concludes this week's discussion on Star Wars Resistance Season One Mid Season Premiere titled Bebo. I want to thank everybody for listening. Please find us on uh, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. Just search Star Wars from the Back to Tank. Also, also,
1: we love all of you. Thank you, David. Thank you. May the force be with us. This is Stormtrooper One, and if you've missed any portion of the show, you can always head over to FromTheBactaTank.com and uh, listen to the show at your leisure. Uh, we're also on Stitcher, Smart Radio, Stitcher.com, search Bacta, and add us to your favorites. Thank you. And uh, listen responsibly. And may the force be with you. And long From the Back to Tank. And From the Back to Tank is executive produced by Michael Flores and Dustin Lucas. Hosted by Michael Flores, David Zabal. You can find out more about our show by going to www.fromthebacktotank.com You can also find us on Twitter at From Back to Tank, as well as Facebook. Facebook.com slash back to Thank you.